Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. So it's good to see everybody this morning, and we welcome you again on this Resurrection Sunday. For the past several weeks, for those of you that <clears throat> perhaps have not been here on Sunday morning, the Lord has, has been dealing with us concerning, dealing with me concerning getting, getting individuals, getting people to recognize the validity of the Bible. Getting people to recognize that the Bible is not just a book that we place on our living room table. But the Bible is a book of the history of salvation. It is a real book written by real men comprised of 66 books written over a period of around 1,400 years. 39 books in the Old Testament, and 27 books in the New Testament. It is a book that has been written by many different authors. But yet, every one of those authors, whether they were written 100 years apart or 1,000 years apart, every one of those authors agree on the same thing. It is a book that is not full of mistakes and, and things such as that, but it's a book that has a continuous story from Genesis 1 all the way down to Revelation 22, the final amen. It tells a story. It describes the salvation history of a nation of Israel. And it also describes and, and relates to us the opening of the door for the Gentiles to come in and be a part of this amazing thing that we call salvation. And so for the past several weeks, we've talked about that. We've talked about uh, prophecies that are being fulfilled uh, in our generation. It was uh, amazing. They were talking about Jesus has never lost a battle and he never will. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that there will be a day when the armies of the world will gather and they will gather against the nation of Israel. This is in your Bible. And they will gather uh, the armies together and go against to fight and defeat and destroy the nation of Israel. The Bible says specifically that there will be a certain path that that army will go down. And it's called the Euphrates River. And so we talked about several weeks ago that, that the Euphrates River in the Bible is talked about as a path for this army to go down in order to attack the nation of Israel. How in the world could a prophet hundreds and hundreds of years ago prophesy that the Euphrates River was going to be a path for the armies of the world to go against the nation of Israel. The Bible specifically says that the Euphrates River would dry up. 
Well, that's no big deal except the Euphrates River is one of the largest rivers in that area. But as we talked about a few weeks ago, if I could show you a picture of it, I would. There are places now that the Euphrates River is not as wide as one of these rows of chairs. It is literally drying up. Scientists are baffled that this great river that once provided farmland, irrigation, and all that to thousands of people is now drying up. Why are you saying that, Pastor? I'm telling you this, that the Word of God is real. It is alive. So I, I shared with you a little bit earlier, do you really believe in the power of the resurrection? Do you really believe that Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave? Do you really think that's possible? I want you, if you will, to take your Bible and turn with me, and I'm not going to be long, hopefully. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm going to read real quick. First Corinthians chapter 15 to verse 12, beginning with verse 12, if you will please stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom if he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So in verses 12 through 19, the Word of God, Paul, is writing, and he's speaking to a group of people that are saying that the resurrection did not happen. They're refuting and disclaiming the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Paul tells them that if Christ did not rise from the dead, then our faith is futile. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, our gathering here today would be to no avail. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then Paul said all of my preaching and all of my proclaiming would be of no value. But in verse 20, Paul says this, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
For as by a man came death, and by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Father, we thank you for your word. Bless us now today to have open ears, open hearts, and open eyes. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can take your seat. Thank you so much for standing. The last verse that I read in verse 22 says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3 sinned against God, and they opened the door. When Adam and Eve uh, broke the skin of the fruit that they were forbidden to take of, when they broke the skin on that fruit, they also broke a veil uh, and opened the door for sin to come in. Sin came in, and sin has been a part of every human being that has been born ever since. So they opened the door of sin, and sin invaded with all of its ugliness and with all its power. With all its uh, destruction and all of its vile and all those things, what we're seeing today take place in our world is a result of the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But I am so excited to tell you today that though sin was initiated in Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden, also in Genesis chapter 3, there was a word that God gave to the, the serpent and to Adam and Eve. And God said this, that there will be a day that the seed of a woman will come. And that seed of the woman will bruise the head of Satan, but you will bruise his heel. In other words, what God said you might have come in, and sin might have come in, and, and, and sin cannot be broken by, by our own accord. But God said, I am making a way, and there's going to be a day that the curse of sin will be broken. And so what we're here today to celebrate is the fact that the curse of sin has been broken through Jesus Christ. So I want to just slow down now, and I want because my greatest desire, guys, today, because I don't get to preach to a lot of you, but once a year, because you because because you go to other churches. I just let you off the hook, okay? But we're we're honored that you're here today. But I want to give you a word this morning. Because I want to get you to thinking. I want you to, to start thinking about some things. And I want you to get the reality. We know that, that life and death are a part of reality here on this earth. But I want you to get to thinking about this man called Jesus. And I want to try to stir your mind to understand that he's not just a figment of our imagination. So what do I do with the resurrection of Jesus? If I believe that Jesus actually <clears throat> rose from the dead, 
If I say yes, I believe that he rose. Yes, I believe that, that he defeated death and hell and the grave. And I believe that on the third day, that as Jesus was laying perhaps in that tomb, dead body with no life, if I say that I believe that somewhere in the middle of that time, that Holy Spirit came into that tomb and began to flutter over the body of Jesus and the breath of God began to breathe on the dead body of the Son of God that somewhere in that exchange of breath that life began to come back into Jesus. If I say that I believe that, then what I am saying is that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he was. If I say that I believe in the power of the resurrection, then what I am saying is everything in this word that led up to the day of resurrection is absolutely true. There is no, there is no defect. There is no mess up. There is no lie. But everything that is written in the word of God that led up to the re resurrection is true. On the other hand, if I say that I don't believe in the power of the resurrection, then what I am saying literally is that I do not believe the Word of God. And I do not believe that there's any value to the Word of God. And basically what I'm saying, I just came here today to satisfy my wife or my husband or my children, but all this stuff is of no value. It's just a bunch of hype, a bunch of emotion, and all of that, and I just don't believe it, Pastor. The only problem with that, ladies and gentlemen, is this. What if you're wrong? What if it is true? You see, Paul said, if the resurrection didn't happen, then all of our preaching would be in vain. You see, the resurrection... Guys, is the most important aspect of our Christian faith. No other religion and no other doctrine can stand and proclaim that my Savior defeated death, hell, and the grave. No other religion can boast of the fact that the God that I serve came to earth, became God incarnate, became the God in flesh was crucified on the cross, was beaten before the cross, beaten to where he was not recognizable. The God that I serve is a God that hung on the cross between heaven and earth and died on the cross, but the God that I serve is a God that defeated all of those things and now he lives forevermore. Listen, according to some scholars, there's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament concerning the birth, the ministry, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's in the Old Testament. 
the Bible that we read out of today, this word has over 6,000 manuscripts and transcripts that back up the validity of God's word. There are very few things about history that has that many manuscripts that back up its validity. Archaeologists down through the years, the centuries, have uncovered evidence that backs up the validity of the Word of God. Now here's the amazing thing. Not one archaeology discovery has ever gone against the Word of God. Do you believe in the power of the resurrection? Listen to this. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 is the scripture that I was talking about a while ago where God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Talking about between the woman and the serpent. And between you and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That is a prophecy, a prophetic word concerning the coming of the Messiah. It was given 1440 B.C. And listen, I debated on whether to say any of this today because I wanted to, I wanted to preach when I'm screaming, hollering, swinging off these lights, messages, and all of that. And, and the Holy Spirit said, whoa up, son. I want you to let people know that my word is true. And I'll tell you the rest of it here in a minute. 700 B.C., 700 years before Christ, Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 said this, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. 700 years before Christ was ever born, there was, there was prophesied that a virgin, imagine that, a virgin daughter would conceive and bear a son never heard of before and never heard of since but yet a prophet of the lord prophesied 700 years before mary was ever even heard of that it was going to take place guess what it took place listen you tell me that god is not specific god said i'm not only going to going to declare how he's going to come about, but I'm going to even give you the very place that he's going to be born. And in 704 B.C., a prophet by the name of Micah prophesied this. He said, Bethlehem of Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel whose going forth have been from old and from everlasting. Micah, 700 and something years before Christ was ever born, prophesied and pinpointed the very city 
that Jesus would be born in. That's pretty cool. That's pretty good. Can I give you, I want to give you two more and I'm going to move on. Last Sunday, here at the church, we celebrated and we, we talked about the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. But what we didn't talk about was 520 years before that ever happened. There was a prophet by the name of Zechariah that prophesied that there would be a day that the Messiah would enter into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. 520 years before it ever happened. Zechariah, another prophet in Zechariah chapter 11, prophesied of a time when somebody would be paid 30 pieces of silver to betray the Son of God. That literally came to pass when Judas sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Can I tell you something this morning? No one has ever, nor will they ever, do what Jesus has done. There is no human being that has ever walked this earth that has ever made the impact on this world that Jesus Christ made. There is no man alive before, now, or ever will be able to have the impact that Jesus Christ had on this earth. One man took 12 men, poured himself into them, and those 12 men, that many of them were uneducated, they didn't have PhDs and all of that, nothing wrong with that, but those 12 men turned the world upside down. Listen, if Jesus had not been real, then perhaps thousands of years ago, he would have ceased to exist. He would have ceased to have been talked about. But yet, right now, the Word of God, the Bible that I'm preaching to you out of, is one of the best-selling books in the nation or in the history of this world. Why? Because men and women recognize that the Word of God is real, and they recognize that God is real. Listen. I want to illustrate to you a little bit more about the power of the resurrection. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 6, Paul speaking, he said that Jesus appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time. And the time that he wrote that, he said most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. In other words, what Paul was writing of and saying was that, that Jesus, after he rose from the dead, appeared to over 500 people. They saw him with their eyes. Many of them talked to him. 500 witnesses that said that he was alive. Listen, several years ago, 
there were some scholars that got together. As a matter of fact, his name was Peter Stoner. And he was uh, a part of the departments of mathematics and astronomy in Pasadena, California. But he was passionate about biblical prophecy. And so with 600 students from the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, Stoner and those 600 students came together and they took eight specific prophecies about Jesus. And their, their goal was to disprove that this could happen, to disprove the prophecies about Jesus. And so what they did is they came together and they studied and they poured over the research and all of that, and they came to the conclusion, and it was a staggering conclusion, that they documented and, and uh, laid out all of these prophecies that they had gotten, and they had documentation that all of these prophecies were of pinpoint accuracy about Jesus. So with that, I want to give you this illustration. Because, again, do you believe in the power of the resurrection? And I want to, you like my cool whip? It's not really cool whip. But I want to tell you something about if you believe in the power of the resurrection. Every individual in this room today, if you are saved and born again, you have been saved and born again because of the resurrection. Because if the resurrection is not true, then all the miracles that Jesus did was of no avail. All the words that he spoke was of no value. But if you are born again, it is because of the power of the resurrection of Jesus. But let me tell you something about that belief. The disciples walked with Jesus and followed him for three years. He poured into their lives and taught them and told them several times, I'm going to die, but I'll be raised again. But at the, at the death of Jesus, the disciples still did not believe that he would be raised. So here's the thing. The resurrection is something that you can't get by being taught. The resurrection is something that you get by catching it. So, I've got ten tickets here. And on one of these tickets, I've written the word winner, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give, if you, if you can draw the winner ticket, I'm going to give you a $5 bill, all right? 
Brother Carl, can I borrow your son? Brother Carl said, if you don't give my boy that $5 bill, if he wins, it's not going to be good, Pastor. All right? All right, buddy. I want you to draw one of these tickets, okay? Tell your daddy to give you five dollars anyway. <laughs> right. Hey man, here you go. There you go. And everybody says, Hey Pastor, I want to be a part of your illustration. <laughs> the reason I did that, guys, is that I had ten tickets, and one of those tickets had the word winner written on it. When he came up to draw that ticket, he had a one in ten chance of drawing the winning ticket. All right? A one in ten chance of drawing the winning ticket. Listen, Peter Stoner said this. We researched eight prophecies concerning Jesus Christ. We found that all eight of those prophecies were specifically fulfilled to the letter. He said there were thousands of years between some of those prophecies and their fulfillment. But all of those prophecies came to pass exactly like the prophet said they would. Now I want to get real technical with you. Way over my head. Peter Stoner gave this illustration. He said the chances of eight prophecies coming to pass and being specifically fulfilled like took place would be one in the tenth power of 17. That is about 100 quadrillion in one. Think about this. And I'm fixing to close. He said, if you took the state of Texas and took silver dollars and spread them out across the state of Texas, they would cover the state of Texas. He said, and then if you took a, a man and blindfolded him, and put a mark on one of those silver dollars and released him and said, go. Go anywhere you want to go. Find that silver dollar with a mark on it. He said that would be the chances under normal circumstances for the prof one prophecy to be fulfilled as it was described in the Bible. Now listen, the Bible is absolutely true. I've been born again since along about 1984. And I am discovering every day more and more about the Bible and the Word of God. And I'm understanding the reality of who Jesus is more and more.
But one thing that I am assured of, ladies and gentlemen, is that we are living in the last of the last days of this earth. Listen, you don't have to be very sharp and you don't have to be a rocket scientist to recognize that our world is getting in a very, very bad shape. We are seeing a decline of every level of our nation. And so it makes me understand and realize that Jesus could come back very soon. I believe that the rapture is the next great thing that's going to take place on this earth. When Jesus comes and snatches away those that are born again. So what I'm trying to do today is to speak to your intellect. Because if your intellect catches the revelation of the resurrection, then your heart will be broken and you will recognize that I've got to have Jesus because if I don't have Jesus, I will not be able to make it to heaven. Can I tell you something else this morning? One of the things that makes me know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was real is the disciples. Sister Sandy, you guys go ahead and come and I'll shut up. The disciples after the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says the disciples scattered. You recall Peter. Peter had said, I don't even know this man. He denied even knowing Jesus. Thomas doubted the resurrection. The disciples scattered all over the place. And if you read in your Bible, you'll see where they were found in rooms, closed doors, fearful of what was going to happen next. They were afraid to open their mouth. They were afraid to talk about the fact that they knew Jesus because they, they thought that they would be killed as well. And they were scared and, and they were hiding in rooms and all of that. But if you look at the disciples after the resurrection, after they had talked with Jesus, and after they had handled Jesus, felt his body, and ate a meal with Jesus, and after they had walked with Jesus and heard his voice, you will see a bunch of disciples that moved from fear to faith. This is the power of the resurrection. And this is what can happen in your life this morning. The disciples went from doubting to believing. They went from being cowards to martyrs. What in the world would a man do and believe that would cause him to say, crucify me upside down. Take my head off, whatever you need to do, but I will not deny the validity of the Word of God. Listen, what, what would cause a man to stand up and say, you can do whatever you want with my life, but I will not back up on the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
The disciples went from being cowards to standing on a martyr's podium and being killed and crucified and murdered for the cause of Christ. They went from a bunch of timidity, uh, timid men to those that were proclaiming the boldness of the Word of God. They went from a group of people being in disarray to lined up with one mind and one accord to proclaim the gospel. They went from a, a spirit of depression to excitement over Jesus Christ. They went from being fishermen and tax collectors and physicians to world changers. You see, this morning, perhaps today, you are sitting here and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure about the power of the resurrection. But if it's real, I sure would like to have a relationship with Christ. So I'm going to ask you, if you will, to stand with me, please, all over the building. And I'm going to be real quick about this. So do you believe in the power of the revelation, resurrection of Jesus Christ? If the answer is yes, then are you serving him? Are you living for Jesus? Because just as he rose from the dead, the same Bible that tells that story also tells that he will come again and that he is coming again. So perhaps you might be here this morning, you might say, Pastor, I don't believe. It was a good word, good service. I enjoyed the fellowship, but I just don't believe. I'm just not a believer. Well, I want to tell you this morning that the opportunity is given. And you might say all you church folks ever do is try to get people born again. And you're exactly right. Because you see, once you've been where I was, and once you've been where some others in here have been, you recognize that the only way out was through Jesus Christ. So that's the reason that we do everything we can to get people to come into the kingdom. So they're going to sing this morning. Perhaps you're, you're saying, Pastor, I need to come out. I need, I need Christ in my life. Well, they're going to sing this song, and it talks about there ain't no grave going to hold my body down. Maybe you're in a grave this morning. Maybe you're experiencing some things in your life. Maybe you're experiencing some destruction in your life. 
and you say, man, I really need God to do something in my life. I want to I be changed. If you're ready this morning, maybe you're here and your marriage is struggling. Maybe your relationship with your husband or wife is in a mess. Yes, he can fix that. Maybe the doctors have given you a bad report. Yes, he can fix that. Maybe your children are in rebellion and you don't know what to do or where to turn. Yes, he can bring the wayward child home. Maybe you're here today and you've had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. You've had close call after close call, but yet you're standing here today with another opportunity to give your life to Christ. He's waiting. 